call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 36 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself and DJ Richie and my co-host Annika Tiernan watch 1961's West Side Story. As always, this podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. Please follow Call It Friend or podcast on Instagram, like the Facebook page, leave a review on iTunes or any or all of the above. Please send any questions or recommendations to callitfriendopodcast at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram. Apart from that, just be cool, Daddy-O. You dig? Hi, what have you been watching? Well, I've only watched one thing so far in the recent period, and that was the Amazon Prime series Invincible. I'd seen uh, a meme popping up on Reddit and a few places, which has got a thing going, Think, Mark! And it's from the final episode spoilers of this eight-episode miniseries. Well, it's not even an, it's not even a miniseries, actually. It's season one, because it's already been renewed for season two and three. Two it's and a, three, it's an animated that, yeah. series. Mm, an animated series produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and based on the comic of the same name by Robert Kirkman. And it's got a great cast, J.K. Simmons, Walton Goggins, who's great in it, Jason Manzukis, Gillian Jacobs, and it stars Stephen Yoon. Mm. And I'd say thematically and stylistically, it's a cross between Watchmen, The Boys, Akira, and the 90s X-Men animated series. Wow. So you're getting on well with it then. I finished it. I mean, I I went through the eight episodes real fast. It's pretty dark in places, but with like a lot of lighthearted teen drama. The only thing I'll fault it for mm. is for falling into some of the typical conflict tropes that we praised Ted Lasso for avoiding last week. So, uh. you know, there, there are just... I noticed when I was watching it, I, was re I realized that sometimes conflict, you know, conflict would occur in a teen drama type way. And mm -hmm. he's just kind of like, eh. It could all be avoided. Just be reasonable. Don't be a dickhead. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I enjoy when people see that when shows or TV or uh, films see themselves approaching a trope and just kind of go, well, that's exactly what we won't do then. I uh, this one went straight into trope city. I watched just I watched the first episode just this morning because you mentioned you were watching it. I right. So I had just kind of elected not to watch it because it's animation. Mainly, I probably have a prejudice against that. And for most of this episode, uh, the prejudice held sort of strong. But then, of course, I I could mention it here. The massacre that is the end of the first episode uh, kind of made me go, huh. Things like that happen throughout. It's very, very bloody. Uh, yeah, but like the thing, because the th I suppose what it was is, you know, the the opening fight on the White House lawn. That, to me, is just like, it's just dull because it's like, I don't know. I, one of the things I've been watching uh, this week would speak directly to that. But special effects have come on so much, I find it difficult to get dramatically into fight scenes like that. That's the type of thing I was specifically re referencing is like 90s X-Men. Yeah, 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 sure. I mean, Animated. it's exactly like that, yeah. How do you get on with like anime and shit like that? I know nothing about it. It's something I would like to maybe get into at some point. I'm sure I'm missing out on great things. Yeah, I've kind of... A, I, I've, I know nothing. I've resigned myself to not being able to get into... I've tried. I've tried so many times and I just feel ridiculous watching the animation. I just feel stupid. <laughs> it's my own prejudice, well, I, I know. I don't have any problem, but I feel like you think it's childish. Yeah, I do. I just I think it's dumb. I don't have any problem dumb. with animation like that. 
Um, yeah, I, that's funny. I don't suffer from that, but I just it's too much as well to get into. Like, yeah, there's a lot of it as well, and it's, it's it seems like a lifestyle choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have you have to stop bathing for stars. Um, all right, well, that's all. That's all you got into this week. That's it. So that's it. Apart from uh, a sexy film, I had a slow week by my standards. I would say. Well, one the so first of all to speak to Invincible, I finally got around to because it was just so painful to do because I remembered it badly. I watched uh, Thor: the, the Dark World. Now you were right, actually, it's nowhere near as bad as I um, remember. Yeah, it's fine. I just think I was in a crazy Marvel place at the time, and it's not as good as the the rest of them. One thing I will say to you is. Right. With the thing that would be bother, bothersome to me, I suppose, is that it, it's mostly special effects, right? But here, the the odd thing is, is that the special effects are so good that it might as well be real life. So why does it bother me? There's very few films where it doesn't. Like with Avatar, it doesn't, or Pacific Rim Job doesn't bother me either. I feel like they really can hold the drama, and most of it is special effects. But what's the difference between that working and that not working, do you think? Is it? I mean, I feel like a lot of the scenery in the film I seem to remember is quite barren. I don't know if that's part of the problem. I obviously not at... Um, where does Thor live? What's the name Asgard. of that place again? Asgard. Obviously not in Asgard, but in the other place where uh, Malekith, is he called? Well, Malekith? well done. Thank Good you, God. Thanks. thanks very much. I can't fucking remember his name. He's so forgettable. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, because he lives on... Does he live on some ice planet or something? No, just a shithole. I it's the, barely it's remember v- this. Just a shithole, right? Yeah. His motivation is so funny. Do you remember what his motivation is? <laughs> he wants to make the universe dark. That's it. That's his whole thing. He doesn't like the light. <laughs> well, he wants them to, like... He wants them to turn the lights on. Yeah, he wants a dark universe. But anyway, it's, not, it's nowhere near as bad as, as I remembered it being. And then next up, I, like, I've got Captain America Civil War, so I'm fine with that. But, when, like, this puts itself, like, securely in mid-tier Marvel. And it got me to thinking, what do you think are the truly great Marvel films? Like, just nailed on. That's fantastic. Well, obviously, Endgame. Yes, I and I, 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 and still... I prefer Infinity War even to that, so I would say that's great too. Ah, uh, nah, it's, it's got to be Endgame for me. I still watch um, videos on YouTube of audience reaction to the portals, when, like yeah, to the portals oh. after the snap. I I like that audience reaction. I, it's funny, and I've in got the, US, the Alan, you know, because people are going like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was like, like that when I, it was like that every time I saw it in the cinema. That's the thing as well. Is like, oh, the Marvel films when they're working like that. Like, I don't know, will I be able to connect with their new range of heroes so much? But my God, they were great in the cinema as they were coming out. Yeah, I would I would say that. Of the, like... I still think we... I mean, apart from that, Thor uh, Thor Ragnarok, mm. I would go either Winter Soldier or Civil War yeah, or both. I would say so. The first Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Nailed on. Okay, mm. so aside from that, I watched... Uh, have you ever seen the TV show Catastrophe? No, but why do I know the the name? What's that? Okay, so Catastrophe, this, I watched it this week. It's this sitcom written by Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney, who also starred... Oh, yeah, that's right. ...as a couple who begin, like, with a fling in London, which produces a pregnancy, leading them to say, fuck it, and giving it a go. And I watched this all in one night, and will happily watch it again in order to get my girlfriend into it and watch the three seasons that followed it, because it's just, like, it's just great, great writing, and it's well-acted, and it's perfectly paced, 
I think she's just some kind of genius. Well, I, I don't give Rob Delaney credit because he hasn't really written much other stuff and she's written a whole bunch of stuff. What are you talking about? He wrote lots of tweets. Did he? Is he a big tw- That's how he that, that's that's how he got famous. He was one of he was like the original Twitter guy. I did not know that. He's got a late night set that got pulled because he bombed so hard. A late night set? What do you mean? Oh, one. Yeah, uh, like I can't, I don't like I don't know if it was Conan or oh, I can't right, really? who it was. Maybe maybe Kimmel, mm. and he bombed so hard that it basically got scrubbed from the internet. But it's hilarious if you can find it. Because <laughs> I would like he, to see because that. of how bad because of how badly well, he he did on the show. There's yet more reason to uh, give Sharon Horgan the credit. I think she's like in line with Nora Ephron or something like that, and not just because she's a lady. Uh, I laughed like a lot. I cared about the characters and I rooted for them. And I highly, highly, highly recommend this show. Um, I think you should watch it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I'll add it to the list. The- I don't know if I, I think I just didn't watch it because of him. Oh, because Delaney. He's good in it. Yeah, yeah. He's good. I'm sure he's great. I'm sure he's completely fine. Mm. I, I'm sure he's probably a very good actor. I was just never really taken with his stand up and that kind of probably. Any spare. I unfairly judged him. Any spare watching moments for me, though, have been used up by just watching old Christopher Hitchens uh, videos because I've been reading his uh, memoir, Hitch 22, which is fucking brilliant. And then I've gone down another YouTube rabbit hole of just watching old episodes of that uh, of uh, in the firing line, the William F. Buckley show. So they're, they're like Lovely. it's a strange cul-de-sac to go down 70s and 80s political shows, but they're all on YouTube and they're fascinating. Like the way people used to behave to each other. Is com- it ha- it has completely done a 180. I've just been listening to The Coddling of the uh, American Mind. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukanioff. Lukanioff. Mm. Lukanioff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I know we've talked about Jonathan Haidt before, mm. but it's, uh, it's funny because all these things now are so well known. Like all of these issues of uh, college safe spaces and and what yeah what well what has come of that it's all like it's funny listening to to like a, a reasonably high level book about it and going like yeah 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 we know all this yeah <laughs> it's, it's seeped into like modern society it's it's, it's crazy well like the, I I ordered and read that book when I heard him on the uh, Sam Harris podcast talking about it mm. and the thing is like yeah you get more detail from the book obviously but the real impact of the findings there was I mean it it totally hit me with the Sam Harris one because the th- the thing is just as you're hearing it you're going oh yeah this makes total fucking sense. Right, of right, right. course, this is what's happening. And like commentators have been saying it for a few years now. Is they've all been saying, "Yeah, well, guess what? These people are going to leave college and get into the workforce, and yeah. <laughs> you'll have a generation of um, little Lord Fauntleroys on your hand." Is that an all right way right. to say it? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, not not like us. Not like not like me and you. Like no, hardened, hardened cynics. Mercs, yeah, basically. Yeah, we we're like. The A team, but there's two of us. Andy, what are your favorite I, musicals? I'm, but here's the thing: I, I like I like musicals, but I feel like films usually struggle to capture what makes a stage musical great. Hard agree. I was thinking, like, yeah, like of the. I was looking through a list of all the best film musicals, and in reality, I probably haven't watched a lot of them. I'd say Hamilton was probably one of the best stagings of a film musical that I've seen, mm. especially because they were able to get up close and they had like interesting camera work. But it was still, and they I mean, kept it, it on the, stage. It was, it, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was basically just the stage show. Yeah, 
but they 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 filmed it. I think ultimately it comes down to whether you like the songs or not. And so yes. I really my my favorite musical is probably Les Mis, but I haven't watched the film yet. But I understand that the some of the actors uh, like Russell Crowe may butcher some of the songs. Mm. Um, I like Phantom of the Opera as a stage show, but I didn't enjoy the Joel Schumacher film. Horrible, yeah. Perhaps unsurprisingly. I really enjoy the songs of the Book of Mormon, but mm. I've never, I've only ever seen a terrible cam recording that was floating around the internet. Um, sorry, I mean, I got it from <laughs> the theatrical musical blockbuster. You have, you've kind of nailed it there. Uh, my way of thinking about musicals is like so despite appearances i i'm not like i'm not mad about musicals uh, i need two very specific mu- musical movies that is now um i need two very specific moving parts going to not get bored uh, the songs need to be good and um beyond mere being merely functional uh, and uh, which isn't easy of course and uh, it can't take itself too seriously if people are going to be bursting Mm. into song at random i require a little levity it's worth mentioning that i find in most musicals disqualify themselves with a healthy mix of both of these things like not not happening for me the greatest musical that i've heard and the best example of all of this is the book of mormon i just think it's absolutely just terrific and uh, i don't see why they would make it into a film is the point that I would be leading up to. Because, like, if you look at how much money that has made, uh, yeah. I mean, why fucking bother? And I've heard in an interview with Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's of the same opinion of, about Hamilton. He's like, well, why the hell would I do that? You know, I mean, it's... Well, yeah, they've already done that. They've done the film, mm. uh, the film version of the, of the show. I mean, well, that's, that, it. that's that, fine. That it was his... Be made into yeah, yeah, that was his concession else. in that direction. He does not want right. it to be sta- like staged as a film. For that state, yeah, I get it. I mm. get it. Because, I mean, what they've done so far is basically allow everyone who wants to see the show to see it. Yeah. Because, of course, it was famously super expensive to get a ticket for Hamilton. They were doing a kind of lottery Yeah, there was system. a lottery. And like they they were like bringing in kids from let's say like mm, less privileged areas to 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 get the opportunity mm. to see the show. But then you know now it's on Disney Plus, which is where I saw it. Paid my money to the mouse, <laughs> as I yeah as I do with all my all my monthly all the money I give to all the streaming services and to Blockbuster Video. And I pay out lots and lots of money just to keep the system functioning. That's you're so. you're a good person and conscientious all the same. I am. I think the Book of Mormon to be the best musical and just one of the best things that's ever been done. Not to to put a fine a point on it because it's like it's about religion. It's makes fun of religion. It's kind of pro religion. It's a fucking mm, yeah, mental mix of a film. It's fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant, um, and it's hilarious. It, like I li- just uh, in reaction to um, a minor po-facedness in West Side Story, I listened to um, the album of Book of Mormon very recently, and I laughed most of the way through. It's just hysterical, and the songs are fucking brilliant and very yeah, catchy. Good songs, which is important. And musical films, I've picked three. Can I guess? Oh, please. Give me a clue. Give me some kind of clue. Give me something to work with here. Okay, all three of these would obey the rules that I've stated. Mm, so they're not uh, animated. Okay, one of why would you say that? <laughs> I don't know. I was referring to the previous bit. No, 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 no. That doesn't count. Like we're, we're doing talking they're about this. They're not Japanese anime. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, one of them is a jukebox musical. 
What does that mean? What's a jukebox musical? It means the songs existed before the musical. Go on then, tell me, because I'm, my, I'm not going to guess. My favorite musicals, in no particular order, are Mary Poppins, which is probably my favorite of uh, these, and in my okay. opinion is fairly close to a perfect film. It still makes me laugh and cry and marvel, and the songs are great. I'm a great big sap, so my favorite songs are probably Feed the Birds and yeah, Let's Fly so, a Kite. No, I'm really... I'm really learning a lot here. Uh, yeah, and also Saving Mr. Banks is a great postscript if you're into crying like uh, Brittany when Justin Timberlake split with her. Uh, that'll just make you cry thinking about the the movie and the production. Have you seen Saving Mr. Banks? Who who are you? Yes. <laughs> you didn't like it? I thought it was fine. That's the one with uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. And you don't like Mary Poppins? Not particularly. I've got nothing against the lady. Uh, she's a hard-working, uh, hard-working <laughs> lady in uh, a man's world. I wish you all the best. Second, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Uh, okay, yeah, fair, fair. Simply play. is just a perfect movie, and it's not even uh, Parker and Stone's best musical. Uh, it's hilarious, mm. uh, controversial, and they curse and all that. But once the dust clears on all of that shit, you're left with just a brilliant set of songs. Um, my favorite of which is probably uh, "What Would Brian Botana Do." Fucker. One of the songs was nominated for an Oscar. Do you know which one? Uh, Blame Canada. Yeah, and you know who performed it at the ceremony? Robin Williams. Robin Williams. That is correct. Good, 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 uh, good knowledge there. Uh, uh, and finally, I hope this isn't a cheat. Well, the, the jukebox musical. Uh, <laughs> God, I just your reactions to what I've said so far. I'm wondering what you're going to say to this. Moulin Rouge. How are you on Moulin Rouge? Yeah, okay. Uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it for a long, long time, but I remember enjoying it. I thought it was well I've, made. It's very. I, I, I don't have any. I said that I like Australia. Australia. Yeah. So you can imagine, I don't have any problem with crazy Baz Luhrmannism. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of crazy yeah. Baz Luhrmannisms. I actually think he uh, rendered uh, the Romeo and Juliet story much more successfully than Robert Wise. Although they're trying different things. Although they're kind of trying the same thing. That's an interesting point, actually. Uh, but anyway, yeah, despite it getting like five stars across the board everywhere when it was released, I resisted Moulin Rouge for a long time. Then my sister rented it oh. one time and I was fucking blown away. Just And I've seen it. I've seen Moulin Rouge a lot of times to the point that I probably, it would annoy me if somebody put it on. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Those are my three favorite. Honorable mentions I'd like to give to Grease and Les Mis. Fucking hell. Which, you don't like Grease? Well, no, I was more the fact that you've got honorable mentions <laughs> on your favorite musicals list. I, I, I like, uh, yeah, okay. But this is giving the impression that I really, really like musicals. When as a matter of fact, I really do not like most musicals. But the ones I do, I like a lot. I don't think I've watched a lot of film musicals, which maybe I should watch more. That's what I'm learning. Grease, uh, wait, what was your other one? You Grease said Grease and, and, and Les Mis. Yes, like I still haven't watched the film. I, I will watch it eventually, but it's probably the one exception to because it is quite po faced, but it's visually very impressive. And um, right. Anne Hathaway just knocks it the fuck out of the park. And actually, the little bit of levity that it gets to maybe get it off the ground, you could say, is Russell Crowe just being ridiculous. Like he can't sing or anything. It's just silly, but it's fun. That's just again is like a musical that I like the songs of song. and will sing them when I'll change the words to what I want the words to be. How'd you get on with West Side Story though? Let's uh, let's get talking about that number. Best part of the movie. I was a little concerned at first because it was I saw it was two and a half hours in length. Mm. 
But it does open. It opens with five minutes of just music and then a backdrop that changes colors. And I was like, "Yes, we've knocked five minutes off without having to do anything." Yeah, yeah, got that uh, soul bass yes. intro. I have to say, right? He was having a lazy day when he did the credit sequence for this, wasn't he? Yeah, I would say, but it works in terms of putting it into the framework of of a musical and the overture. I, I, it gets you into the. Yeah, it gets you into the state of mind of like, okay, mm. we're going to watch a show. You can imagine, like, I've experienced that a lot of times sitting, watching a, watching a show where you have, like, they, they play, you know, some of the music from the show beforehand and you're just looking at the curtain or some kind of backdrop and it, it works. It, you see, it focuses I feel... your mind, but imagine, but I was just going to say, mm. imagine pulling that now in 2021. I don't think the Spielberg version is going to start with five minutes of just music. no. I don't be ballsy these days. I think as well. I mean, I mean, it's an unusual Spielberg decision if ever there was one, isn't it? It's as un, it's as unusual a decision as the fucking terminal was. Like, it's what what's happening with that? I don't know. I'm like, I'll go to but see it, but I could see. Yeah, I mean, I just imagine that West Side Story is important for him. It is. I get yeah, yeah. Feeling that like yeah, like there's so many filmmakers. I uh, one of the bits of trivia I saw is that a filmmaker who really loves uh, West Side Story is uh, Lars von Trier. Ugh, what a fucking weird creep. So <laughs> I hate it. yeah, so I guess like it's just it's a it's uh, a show or a film that's mm. important to a lot of filmmakers. So I guess Spielberg wanted to do it for that. Have you watched the trailer to the the Spielberg? No, no, Spielberg I haven't. I didn't version. even know there was a trailer out. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, it looks good. It looks a bit pointless. They've kept it in the same period, except the actors are a bit more authentic looking. There's a a, a little less shoe polish on the face this yeah, time yeah. around. Yeah, I figured that would be um, one of the which features. Is a little better. Yeah, it's a little better for a 2021 uh, audience. But of, well, one it, thing six, I, it's I've... going to be released on the 60 year anniversary. One thing that I've heard that they're doing. Um, which is interesting to me. I'm, we're, I suppose we're diving into talking about the film a little bit, but anyway, whatever it is. Like West Side Story, for the most part, is the most stagey film musical that I've seen. And it opens in such a manner that I didn't think it was going to be. Because for me, by far the most exciting part of the film is when you're actually on the streets of New York. I just thought... Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I got. I thought that was exciting. I thought, that, wow, that's so interesting because, it, like, I had read as you did, and we'll talk about it a little bit about the background and what inspired the the story. And I was like, that is so interesting that they did that. And then, sure, they fucking buggered off to Los Angeles and filmed on sound stages, um, and uh, that fucked me immediately. I have to say, because uh, I thought I was, yeah. I was really into that idea when it's yeah, at I the mean, start we've, at we've, the start when it's flying over new york city and stuff like that i thought they yeah, were really yeah, make, yeah, yeah. really making a point of that tracking shot and i was going that is right. that's class but for the fact that they it they, starts it starts playing it very very safe yeah I, and i don't know that like that that fucked me a little on it to be honest i just like because i thought they were really onto something with that opening i have no idea and i couldn't find anything about why they made that decision to be honest i, I like i've looked but like, why do that at the start and then not do it? I think it's just to place it, just to place it in New York. But they weren't they, realistically; they weren't going to film the whole thing on the streets of New York. So then Spielberg they just went did. To That's the studio. Thing. Yeah, but it's easier for Spielberg probably to pull that off now. And actually, one of the reasons Robert With, uh, Robert some of massive cachet. One of the reasons Robert Wise seems to have gotten such longevity out of his career is he was very good at coming in under budget. 
You want to talk a little about the production of the musical, like the original? Dun, dun, dun. I know very little about it. I imagine I see you as a bit of a Stephen Sondheim file. I'm not. I just uh, I I remember a few years ago when um, Into the Woods was a big deal, and uh, I heard Meryl Streep going on about how difficult it is to sing Stephen Sondheim, and um, I di- I got a little bit interested in him for a while there, and then I I listened to an interview with him very recently for this podcast. The way he wrote songs for musicals would very much be a direct influence on the likes of Trey Parker and Matt Stone in the fact that it's about it's about the story and like like you can make it hummable and stuff if you want but he's going to get you with the lyrics like the the melody will follow the lyrics it would be like he says like his most useful tool in writing songs for musicals is a, a rhyming dictionary says just uses that constantly and that that's what he comes back around to but the strange thing about okay you can see that come across slightly in some numbers in west side story because if you listen to any other sondheim musicals maybe you've seen uh, sweeney todd have you seen sweeney todd yeah actually that's a film that i enjoyed mm, yeah it's a good movie I was trying to quantify how much i enjoyed that film and i could come up with nothing i was like <laughs> that's a film i enjoyed because I, I, then thinking back on it, I was like, did I love it? No. It was Tim Burton. Did that hold it back in my head? P- possibly. Anyway, if you if you watch that again, that's more, that gives you, or Into the Woods particularly, that'll give you more of a flavor of what Sondheim is about normally. Because Leonard Bernstein wrote the music for this and he wrote lyrics around that, which is an odd setup. And you, the most Sondheim numbers in it are probably... They're the best ones for me, anyway. The um, America and um, G Officer Krupke, I think, are the probably the two catchiest songs in yeah. it. Because the rest of it, he's kind of writing like lyrics around uh, orchestral movements, which is tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you feel about the songs overall in uh, West Side Story? I'm not really a fan. Me neither. I. I was shocked at how many of them I recognized, how many of them I'd heard before, but just other ones that are perhaps to me didn't seem particularly famous. But I was like, all oh, right, I did this. This is from West Side Story. OK, yeah, I like like I, like I said, they're not the type of, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to sing these and make up my own versions <laughs> uh, involving bad words. Well, you actually did with, a, with, with the you sent, well, you, I did. You sent yeah, me I your did. version of America, Andy. I don't know if you remember. Um, yeah, I actually recorded a second version that I'm going to put at the end of the, oh, that's of nice. the episode. So look out, look out for that. Yeah, the the, so- the the songs were fine. There's things in there's things in here that were interesting to me. Particularly, okay, for me, the, like the best thing in the film is is got to be the choreography, which is amazing. And they, yeah, definitely. And they fired the guy. Well, yeah. So it was originally it was, it was a co-direction between Jerome Robbins, who's a choreographer, and Robert Wise, mm. who's a competent, talented film director. But Robbins went over budget and over schedule, and eventually got fired. He only actually completed four of the numbers, which were the prologue, "Cool," "I Feel Pretty," and "America." Before he was removed from the project. Yes, but um, by all accounts, he was still very much co-directing yeah robert wise was in contact with him throughout the rest of the production and uh robert wise who i read a bit about and just seems like a all-round nice guy i mean it just seems it seems like a great fella it was famous for meticulous product uh, meticulous preparation and coming in under budget and he also like worked in just such a big variety of genres and 
made four films that I think you could like are considered nailed on classics pretty much, you know? What the uh, the sound of poo sick. Well, I'm not that's a musical I'm not a fan of. Uh you, how can you have levity? Yeah, well, I'm not not a fan particularly. How can you have levity when there's Nazis in play? That's my question. Ooh, great musical. Uh the producers. There you go. No, that's a that's a good oh, one. Oh, I have never seen it. Oh, it's terrific. That's a, and it's under ninety minutes. Oh why? Then Five stars. Well, that's what we're watching next <laughs> week. Four films that could be considered classics. The Sound of Music. Mm. I'm trying to remember. The only other Robert Wise film I've watched is the Hindenburg, and I don't think that's going to be included on your list. Mm, um, no. The Andromeda Strain, are you putting that on there or no? I would I, put again. I haven't watched. I that. would put the. I would say the Andromeda uh, Strain is a classic. I, I'm a big fan of that. I don't like your pronunciation of that word. Uh, yeah, I, I've I I referred to foyers as foyers for years. I'm just not good with uh, that. Well, that's fine. Uh, with that kind of thing. Um, no, no. But you know, you know what what that means. No, that means you learned your pronunciation from reading, which means you're smart. You're smarter than everyone else. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Ah, that's nice. No, those to which I was referring are, in fact, well, probably, like, okay, like them or lump them, West Side Story and Sound of Music are certainly considered classics. Then for me, I would also put in The Day the Earth Stood Still, certainly, um, mm. Run Silent, Run Deep, which until Das Boot w- uh, was released was, it, that's just the blueprint for the submarine movie. And also, if you haven't seen it, The Haunting is a terrific film. Oh, yeah, because I've only, I mean, I've watched the Mike Flanagan Haunting of Hill House which is, Netflix which is series, better, which admittedly. is based on the same. Yeah. yeah, okay, well then I'm not. Then sorry, Robert Wise, <laughs> I guess you weren't that wise. After all. But the thing is, is right, okay, so he worked a lot, and he worked in a lot of genres, but history would consider him something of, like, the Sidney Lumet type of, like, a jobbing director, you know? Like, right. Sutler or Ron Howard. When are you a jobbing director, and when are you Steven Spielberg? If you follow... Now, I realize I've just named one of the best directors of all time, but are you following my... what I, An auteur would be the snooty way to put it. For example, like, even... Probably... It's probably based on the quality of the projects. Well, oh, that you can get your hands on. I, 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 I would. What about? Okay, you take somebody like Sidney Lumet, who is historically considered a jobbing director. Is what he does, and uh, which is a bit unfair. I would say that is he's made. He mm. made some of. <laughs> he made some of the best films of all time. Yes, yes, he did. Like Twelve Angry Men, etc. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it's just like, if you think about it like this, it's like. It's the it's a director that is willing to stand out front of the film, like there before anything. You know what I mean? Like a like a Scorsese, for example, who doesn't really write scripts, but his films are fucking his films. Whereas, well, so maybe it's a different. Yeah, right. The difference between if you, if the if they're hired for the project or if they go and seek out this piece of material and mm. they use their force to bring it to screen. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. As you said, with Sidney Lumet, made some of the best films of all time. He also worked with just amazing, amazing screenplays, almost exclusively. You know what I mean? So moving into the cast, first off, we've got Maria, played by Natalie Wood, although her solo and singing parts were voiced by Mammy, Mammy Nixon. Wood uh, was originally, she was born in Puerto Rico. She's actually a real Puerto Rican. They definitely didn't consider that in the casting. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, yes. The producers would would have made that noise that I just made if they had found that out. What? Exactly. (laughs) She was was the child of Russian immigrants and uh, has a Russian face and Russian teeth. And is Russian. Why are her face and teeth in such a hurry? 
I, I don't know. They didn't learn to slow down. Russian. So she played. Yeah, I got it. That's what. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> she was perhaps not the most convincing Puerto Rican to ever live. No. At the time that she was cast as Maria, uh, Natalie Wood already had one Academy Award nomination. For what? For which film? In 1955. Um, with James Dean. With a Giant, maybe? No, James Dean and Salmoneo. Rebel Without a Cause? Yeah. I just I haven't seen Rebel Without a Cause, actually. Oh, really? No. Oh, I have. Yeah. I often think about James Dean's tragic car crash and uh, you know, <laughs> take care of business. <laughs> it's a reference to the last episodes, folks. Uh, yeah, uh, Natalie Wood obviously had a very tragic life. Have you heard about the, so, I mean, famously, um, it's come out in recent years that when she was 16 years old, she was brutally raped by uh, a screen icon and told some of her close friends over the years who it was. But then about eight years ago, no, maybe less than that, I don't know, or maybe it was as much as eight years ago, someone claiming to be Robert Downey Jr. posted on a gossip website naming the rapist do you know who he named no i do not who this person named kirk douglas alleged allegedly wow call it friend of podcast is not besmirching the douglas name but allegedly kirk douglas brutally raped uh, natalie wood when she was 16 and the actual the the details of what happened are shocking i mean it's like when, when you know like Roman violent level. and brutal and it, no 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 far more violent even more violent than that which was also violent but yeah yeah even like you know like physical violence just uh, like absolutely terrible so film fans in general know, she, uh, she had a very would would do themselves a favor of like i particularly think with the polanski one just because it's more famous familiarizing yourself with the details and things like that because nobody should ever oh, it's, yeah nobody should ever forget what a fucking cess hollywood is and you just like if you just read an account of that that'll that'll do it for you like don't like don't don't pass it off as just something that happened in your head you know yeah i i i only i read that court transcript within the last five years and it was i guess it's some places it had been talked down to just like Oh, you know, it was just one of those things that happened. But no, it was like a forced anal rape of a of a child. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's insane. It is. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And anyway, it was pa- relatively par for the course for uh, for Hollywood in the day, which is the math. Right. Uh, anyway. Anyway, back to West Side Story. So Maria uh, originally. <laughs> so Maria in West Side Story. <laughs> Maria. Among those considered for the role were Audrey Hepburn, but ultimately Natalie Wood won out. Uh, Maria played alongside her love interest, Tony. Tony was played by Richard Bamer, and the singing was uh, voiced by Jimmy Bryant. Amazingly, like a lot of people in this film, a a large number of cast members, uh, Richard Bamer is still alive. Who did he play? Which is shocking to me. He played Tony. Oh, okay. Tony Anton, the Polak which is not a nice thing to say, I imagine. He went on to play Benjamin Horn in Twin Peaks. Yes, that's right. He's the, the, the doctor. Alongside alongside Russ, Russ Tamblin, who played Riff nah. in uh, West Side Story. Russ Tamblin he is went the on doctor. To play doc- he went, yeah, he's Dr. Lawrence Jacoby. Mm. Jacoby. J- uh, Jacoby, I think. And, Dr. Jacoby, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, one person who, who turned down the role of Tony in West Side Story was Elvis Presley. 
I heard, yeah, yeah, uh, Colonel Parker talked him out of it. Wise choice. Mm-hmm. He's better to go on and just die in a toilet. And one person, one person who vied for the role was mm-hmm. Warren Beatty. The character of Riff was played by Russ Tamblin and uh, the singing voice by Tucker Smith. Russ Tamblin's also still alive. As mentioned, he was in Twin Peaks. His daughter, Amber Tamblin, is married to... No idea. David Cross. Nice. And he appeared in both Robert Wise's 1963 film The Haunting and Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House series 55 years later. Wow. That's some going. Yeah. It is. That's insane. Two properties based on the same novel, 55 years apart. And he appeared in both. Then we've got uh, Anita, played by Rita Moreno. And the singing was voiced by Betty Wand. She was an actual, or she rather still is. She's still alive. She's an actual Puerto Rican. An actual Puerto Rican. And she's, oh, she also appears in the Steven Spielberg yeah, remake. Right. She's coming back. At the time... At the time of uh, West Side Story, she was dating Marlon Brando. Nice. And there's a, again, there's um, a scene in West Side Story which hints or almost ends in uh, rape, which apparently was very uh, traumatic for her because it was, again, this is something that she had experienced when she was younger. Yeah, that's a and, shocking uh, scene. Which is just fucking, just, just. Fucking hell, Hollywood, you scumbags. The last cast member I wanted to mention is probably the person who's looks the weirdest with the skin makeup, and that's the car- the actor who played Bernardo, George Chakiris. Oh, yeah. Who went, who's, who's, who's Greek. Who's, who's Greek. Mm. Yeah, he's still alive as well. Yeah, I saw that. He went on, he went on to appear in an episode of Last of the Summer Wine. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a real, that's a success that's story. Good trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> solid. Jesus. Hey, I think if you hadn't mentioned that, I would have never thought about that show again in my life. And I intend to be alive for <laughs> for quite some time yet. <laughs> Good God! I like to think of last. I think of last of the summer wine every so often, every few. I think about Compo. Some of those other don't know the names. Other guys. Anyway, uh, that's the only one I know. Go on. So, as we've already mentioned, the film opens with five minutes of music and a backdrop which changes color, which was a nice change of pace, and I don't think Spielberg's going to have the balls to do that now. Then, as you mentioned, we get some nice overhead shots of New York of the period before we drop down to a neighborhood basketball court where a group of young white men are up to no good, clicking their fingers, which, as we know, is a gateway drug to dancing. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, after a brief walk around their neighborhood, they start busting moves. Yeah. These are the Jets, the toughest dance-based gang on the whole West Side. (laughs) And they're led by Riff and his second-in-command, Ice. The thing is, right? So immediately when watching this, I'm thinking of a Family Guy joke about it. I'm thinking of the SNL sketch about it. Right. Uh, and yeah. because of and not because of nothing else except the the pirouetting and the choreography. And then within a minute, I'm just like, okay, the choreography is the best thing in it. The choreography is fantastic. Yeah, it doesn't like. I just think that representation of fighting through dance it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really does. It's it's silly. It's like as you say, something that's been spoofed a million mm. times of people like clicking their fingers and going like and like you know, walk kind of dancing against mm. each other. So 
I, I think the Spielberg film, hopefully will, I hope the Spielberg film is going to capture it to the same level, but this was, there was definitely the aspect of the 1961 film that, that struck me the most as well. Yeah, I do. I, I'm going to say it right now. I, I genuinely think if they had kept the backdrop of the actual streets, I would have been a history even, never mind me, would be a lot kinder to this film. I think because mm. I just think that 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 to me was I was blown away by that and it disappeared real quickly. Going up against the Jets in the dance game are the Sharks, a Puerto Rican gang led by Bernardo, who has by modern standards a rather unfortunate amount of makeup on his face. <laughs> the two gangs chase each other around and do jazz hands in each other's faces. And yeah, as we mentioned, I mean, I really like the way these scenes were shot, filmed on location in New York, and there's a sense of both scale and the real place and time and as mentioned the dancing really does sell the implied violence effectively especially considering it's 60 years since the film came out Mm. which is madness madness the two gang shenanigans are interrupted by two cops lieutenant shrank and sergeant krupke who tell the boys to scram beat it is there a bit of racism vibes going on with, with him there is later with Shrank. He's mm. straight up, gets in their faces and says, I'm for yous. I'm for yous guyses, the white skyses, not the Puerto Ricanses. The Jets challenge the Sharks to a rumble after the upcoming dance that both gangs are to attend. Riff goes to see his buddy Tony, who started the Jets with him. These days, Tony's a working man and does not want to get pulled back into the game. Very much like Poot working at Foot Locker in The Wire. Yes. Yeah, that's mm. fair enough. But Tony decides to go to the dance anyway to try to to try to get laid. Essentially, I suppose, yeah. If that was was that a thing in 1961? Well, he's gone all Did romantic on the stuff. It was at this point in like okay, so this is where it's really working directly with the Shakespearean blueprint, and it was at oh yeah, we haven't even mentioned mm. the fact that it's Romeo and Juliet. Well, it was at this point that I kind of said to myself. I wish I was watching Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> uh, because I think that's a better go at something like that. this. I just do. I think I would love to see West Side Story live. I would love to see a, a theater show of it. But it was at the, like I just figured because and I and I was right as well, because it immediately just kind of it, it's for the rest of the film, it spends it being stagey and. Whereas for the first t- ten to fifteen minutes or so, it's so vibrant and alive and in your face. It, it, like, the f- have you seen the trailer for the upcoming Lin Manuel Miranda adaptation in the Heights? I didn't know that he was doing anything. Well, yeah. So that was his first big musical that got him the clout to get Hamilton made. Um, oh, and it's yeah. Set in Washington Heights in New York, um, and they filmed it there, and it just looks so vibrant and just in your face, and I. Th- much like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet is like that. That is so alive that it gets you past the kind of stuffy dialogue. You know what I mean? And uh, right. I, I, yeah, there's moments where this film could almost do that for me, but it doesn't quite. In the next scene, we meet Maria and Anita, who are Bernardo's sister and girlfriend. They work together in a haberdashery shop. Nardo is very protective of his sister, but agrees to let her go along to the dance. At the dance, the creepy dance organizer who has scout troop leader energy tries to get all the kids, in inverted commas, to dance together. Because are they supposed to be teenagers? I mean, they're all in their 20s. Yeah, yeah, they're they're kids. They're like, they're also 1960s hardened smoker, drinker types Mm. as well, probably. 
So yeah, you see the uh, the dance organizer tries to get them all to dance together, something which they refuse to do. In the middle of all this, Maria and Tony lock eyes and have a dreamy dance number together, ending with them kissing on the dance floor. Yeah, it's nice. But Bernardo and the Sharks are less than impressed with this development and tell Tony to beat it, Daddy-o, you dig? Yeah, and then he sends Maria home with Chino, and you just see Chino next to Tony, and you're like, ah, come on now. (laughs) You can't expect Maria to go for Chino when Tony's available. Sorry, like... It's it is it's tough times for Chino. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, what a tragic character. A few, he's just a. There's uh, other guys here. Little midget you know, who this, this lady. Chance. Yeah, yeah. Guy, he's so small. Anyway. But Maria and Tony are in love. So in the next scene, uh, the next scene is one of the most famous music numbers in musical history. The Sharks, while discussing moving from Puerto Rico to New York, break out into the song America. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. And uh, yeah, I was like, ah, when they started playing this, I was like, ah, okay. Everyone knows this song. Like, I just, it's one of those things where you're like, I've know this song so clearly. Yeah. It would never have occurred to me that it came from, I didn't even know it came from a musical. I thought it was from like Five All Goes West or something. <laughs> That's a, a nice crisp reference for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was it's apparently, sometimes songs have a reputation for being like that. There were three of his songs, I, I think I read this recently, there was three of his songs referenced in films like in 2019, um, just, but not even as a, as a matter of purpose. Like Send In The Clowns is a Sondheim, which is heavily, oh, re- yeah, yeah, which is heavily referenced Jesus. in Joker. I'll look it up, the other, the other ones, because I, I read it very recently, I thought that is bizarre. So he's got, like in 2019, three major films um, referenced them. In Joker, you had... When the Wall Street guys sing Send In the Clowns. Uh, in Marriage Story, Adam Driver sings Being Alive at uh, Scarlett Johansson. And in Knives Out, Daniel Craig sings Losing My Mind in the Car. That's solid. That's solid Sondheim. You are, uh, as I said, a Sondheim file. I, th- I think I might be. After that, Tony sneaks up the fire escape to see Maria, singing the song Maria in the process. I did toy with recording a parody, rather hilariously titled Diarrhea, but decided against it. You'll have to use your imagination to make up your own version at home. No (laughs) doubt, though, I am the first person in the 60 years since this film came out to make fun of the songs. So I'm guessing... This would have been a very fresh take Weird on, Al, on the parody. Weird Al Andyevich. Weird wank. Weird Andy wank, uh, wank himself. You're genius. The next scene is another song. The hits are coming thick and fast here. The Jets have what I found to be the most interesting song in terms of social context. Yes. Uh, and that's G Officer Krupke. Yeah, it's really, uh, like, that's a real good blast of Sondheim there. The lyrics are brilliant for that song. It says so much. It's just, I think it's interesting, mm. like, the, the all the gang members are railing against society and the people who have failed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And offer what, in 2021, are pretty good excuses for why they have resorted to gang behavior. But in this song, it's kind of just thrown to one side of, like, you know, stop fucking around. Are you going to jail? At the Docks Cafe slash candy shop where Tony works, the Jets and Sharks sit down for a war council to decide on the format of their upcoming Battle for Territory. They agree to a fight under the overpass between Bernardo and Ice, the Jets number two, with no weapons, just good old-fashioned hand-to-hand combat, mano a mano. Daddy-o, you dig? In the middle of the scene, Lieutenant Shrank comes in and tries to get the two gangs to give up their fight plans, telling the Jets that he's for them and that the Sharks should beat it back to... PR, daddy-o. 
Then we have our intermission. Yay. How did you spend your intermission? I think I made a cup of tea. Well, that's good. I fast forwarded. Huh. In the next scene, we have yet another song I had heard before, but I had no idea that it came from West Side Story. You in heard it in Anger Maria Management. Sings. Is that what it was in? Yeah. In the Haberdashers, Maria sings I'm So Pretty, the most arrogant song I can think of. <laughs> what a bitch. What a bitch. Yeah, yeah. J- Jack Nicholson encourages Adam Sandler to sing it in an anger management uh, routine. Uh, I have actually seen anger management. So. Good movie. At the Rumble, Ice and Nardo begin to fight before Tony turns up, yelling at everyone to leave it. It's not worth it. And when Bernardo is knocked to the ground in a scuffle, him and Riff both pull knives and begin to fight. Bernardo stabs Riff. Tony, in a fit of rage, takes Riff's knife and stabs Bernardo. The cops come and everyone scrams. Daddy-o, you dig? Yep. Up on the roof, the Sharks number two, Chino, tells Maria that Tony offed her bro. Tony turns up in Maria's apartment and she's very quickly okay with Tony having murdered her sibling. Yes, I think it's... They sing the song somewhere and plan their escape from NYC. And then they have a... I'd say they have some sexy time, don't they? Well, he does have his shirt off by the end, Mm. so that that is like... That's full penetration in 1961. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his, his, his nipples out. That's like the equivalent of... He's got a car crash fetish. That's how far <laughs> that is in 1961. With Robert he Wise, needs all, he needs all kinds of he yeah. needs all kinds of stuff to get him going. That's what that means. With Riff dead, the Jets convene in a parking garage where Ice tells them to be cool. And by God, are they cool? Yes. But indeed. again, there's some excellent choreography in this part, and not a great song, but the choreography is great. Uh, yeah, choreography makes up for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that is, uh, kind of um, that song was original in the show. It's in the first half, and uh, mm. I think it's led by Riff. Maria tells Anita that she plans to leave with Tony. Anita heads over to the Docks Cafe to pass on a message to Tony from Maria. In a disturbing scene, she is very nearly raped yeah. before the Doc intervenes. Actually, feels really As dangerous Anita, that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. Yeah, there's a lot of violence is implied. She's almost raped by dancers. I mean, that's that is not good. That is not good. I'm going to take a stand right now and say that's that's no bueno. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm book. not for it. No, I'm not on board with that. As Anita leaves, she angrily tells the Jets that Chino killed Maria in a fit of rage. Oh yeah, that's a bit kind of Shakespearean tragedy right there for mm. you. After Doc tells Tony that Maria is dead, Tony heads out to the streets calling out Chino. Instead, he's shocked to see Maria running towards him next to the basketball courts. As they embrace, a shot rings out. Chino has shot Tony. Tony dies. With both gangs standing next to Tony's limp body, Maria takes the gun and threatens to shoot everyone, calling them a big bunch of fannies. Before Lieutenant <laughs> Shrank arrives and, and everyone is led away, the Jets carry off Tony's body and the police take Chino to jail, where he belongs. The end. Yeah. Roger Ebert sees that, uh, that they uh, cowered away from the, re- the real oomph of the tragedy, but how the hell are you going to have Maria kill herself at the end of it? Fuck off, Roger Ebert. <laughs> like, Jesus you know, Christ. What, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I was sitting there watching it going like, how is she going to shoot herself in the head? Because she needs to shoot herself. Like, she needs to kill herself. And I was thinking, like, is she just going to point the gun at her chest and shoot herself in the chest? And I was thinking, like, filmically, how are they going to show this in 1961? Because mm. I was convinced. I'm like, well, she needs to die for it. And actually, I do agree with Roger Ebert that, like, 
I think they did shy away from that. Like, I think it should end with her dying as well. Uh, not because nah. of the, even the like, not even because, just because of the link of Romeo and Juliet, but just because the tragedy of it did feel slightly undersold to me. I was a lot sadder about three quarters of the way through, just when it was, just, you know, after the big rumble and yeah, Riff yeah, and Nardo yeah. die. Like, that's a much sadder point to me than the end, than when, like, Tony dies. But I think you're basically talking about an alternate universe almost. There's no way that they have Maria... That's what I want. There's no way they have Maria kill herself at the end. I want I want the Avengers to arrive through a time portal. I always want the Avengers to arrive. But the one major gripe I had, like I'd have with this is actually the fact that they went and... I've mentioned it before, but like the sound stages and like some people are romantic for that kind of jazz. Like have you ever seen uh, the Francis Ford Coppola musical, One from the Heart, where he just bankrupted everybody around him trying to recreate those sort of sound stagey vibes for uh, his... No, his, but it's... His Las Vegas It's something set. that I do not want to watch. Yeah, yeah, me neither, ever again. For his Las Vegas set mu- mu- musical, just poured loads of money into trying to recreate that when in fact... The best, the best parts of the movie for me are definitely set on the streets of New York. That said, and I've said this a bunch, I like. I don't think I would watch this again. But if I saw that it was playing at a cinema, I would give it a go. I think the things that don't hold up very well are well. I don't think they should have dubbed the singers. I don't think that's aged particularly well. I just when they switch into a song and it changes voice now, it looks a bit silly. Yes, I agree. I get everything. I mean, the things that are of the period are fine. Mm. Stuff like the brown face, obviously, is not that doesn't hold up particularly well. Also, just because I think it looks silly. It does look silly. Not yes. because of any like slight yeah, like, yeah, agricultural yeah. thing, but I just think it just looks fucking stupid. It looks like Justin Trudeau. But the but the aspects that really hold up for me are like the lighting. A lot of that red red yes. light lighting. Yeah, I agree. They captured the, the the ideas of stage lighting really well. And I, of course, the, the choreography that we keep talking about. I think there's like it's a, a very neat trick in the scene where um, Tony and Maria first spot each other. I think that kind of filmmaking holds up well. Like nobody does it anymore, but the use of focus there and stuff like that is 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 quite nice. Mm, oh yeah, when they have their dreamy dance mm. sequence. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. They put some some lard on the lens, and I will say they butter up the lens. The um, yeah the almost dance rape uh, scene like yeah it feels real dangerous and it's just so interesting the fact that these are your characters that are doing this these are the guys we're with that that are yeah but are are we supposed to be on the side no i don't think we're on who are we we're supposed to be on tony's side we're tony i'm not saying we're on the side of the jets i'm just saying maria we're not against them let's say up until that point i don't know well i i'm against them they're proud boys Fair enough. I think I saw Gavin McInnes at the back. <laughs> Will you watch this again? Probably not. Are you a shark or a jet? Tell me now. I'm I definitely a shark. Yeah, me too. But this is similar to your life experience. You're in a relationship with a Spanish lady mm. and you killed her brother. I did kill her brother, yes. Uh, but it wasn't yeah, like in the so film. He did nothing no. to deserve it. It's the best type. It's the sweetest form of murder. This uh, this was a, be- a Best Picture Oscar winner. It won 10, yeah, won 10, won 10 Academy, Academy Awards. Awards. Yeah, that's right. And it made $44 million from a $6.75 million budget. Fair play. And it, it, didn't win, it didn't win Best Makeup. Bizarre. <laughs> they, they, they used all the makeup and they never won. It's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. I, wonder I, they- guess, I, guess the problem, I guess the problem was it was Best Makeup and not Most Makeup. 
I wonder has anybody w- w- ever won a, like a makeup Oscar for changing races for for doing blackface? Yeah, 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 that would be. That's an interesting. That wonder has not. that happened? Probably. I'm I'm going to investigate that for yeah. next week. Uh, but okay, I'll be in- I'll be intrigued to see your Google search terms. Go ahead. <laughs> what about next week? What are you bringing? Well, my toss pick. So the uh, criteria that I laid down mm-hmm. was that it had to be a horror, a horror film. And I decided, I I don't know if we're going to maintain with choosing things that we haven't seen before, but I guess why not? Mm -hmm. But we are going to eventually run out of films at some point. I decided I've seen a lot of the best horror films of all time. It's something Mm -hmm. that I found when I Googled. Much like I feel like I've seen most of the best films of all time. So I went for something from 2001, a Japanese film, which in Japanese is called Cairo. uh, And in English is called Pulse. I've never even heard of it. But neither had I. Well, you, but apparently it's good. You may well have heard of uh, the one that I'm uh, selecting, Ken Russell's The Devils. Very controversial in its day. Hmm. I'm aware of Ken Russell, but I don't know The Devils. You got a coin? Yeah, but it's your turn to toss. Oh, is it? Oh, I do have a coin also then. Okay, one or half a head. Mm, half a head. It is one. Boo. Next week, Ken Russell's The Devils. Which there's loads of extra reading material to, to, to go after with. You'll be happy to know. <laughs> what is this? A university course? You can do that. <laughs> I will. And I have. I've read the book it's based on. Um, so I'll be, able to, okay. I'll be able to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> well, I'm actually Ken Russell. So <laughs> good. For- you didn't know that. Uh, well, okay. So, are you gonna now stipulate what? Oh yeah, yeah. So my stipulation, the criteria for next time is, it must be a best picture Oscar nominee, not winner. Uh, well, it could be the winner, but it must have it must have been nominated for. I I wanted to expand beyond mm. just winners and to go for anything that's been nominated or has won. Interesting. Best picture. Okay, I'm well up for that. Just to give us a bit more leeway. All right. At this point, I need to go and join my in-laws and stuff my face. Uh, So I'm going to say goodbye, and I love you. Goodbye, I love you too. But I don't choose as a vertica. Got a fake gun, it's a replica. Don't want to eat anorexia. Atom McGoin Exotica. Steal lots of things with Domania. I have my lunch cafeteria. Mosquito gave me malaria. Tom Hanks has a Philadelphia. 